If you like the convenience of working from home and are looking forward to the day in 2021 where you will be able to do it from your favorite coffee shop, then you should care a lot about cybersecurity. I'm Leia Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media, and this is In Camera Podcast, where we love the cloud as long as it has a secure access service edge. Welcome to Incamera Podcast, Private Legal Marketing Conversations. Grace, we're back. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good, Grace. Thank you very much for asking. And we are here having, again, one of the last conversations before the end of the year. And just to recap a little bit, for those of uh, you who have not been following, the last series of conversations that we've had have primarily been trends of either uh, this past year or for the upcoming year, right? We have talked so far about SEO, with trends in digital marketing for law firms. But today, Grace, uh, there is a topic that has been suggested by you because you're a cybersecurity nerd. <laughs> and, you, and I said that in a good way. Uh, I'm actually so surprised that cybersecurity has become such a central topic of this in this podcast because it's a topic that I am still learning every single day a lot from it, thanks to you, in part, Grace. And so I would like you to explain us a little bit about some of the upcoming trends in cybersecurity for 2021. And I'm assuming some of them are already now here, having an impact in our digital and IT systems but uh, some of them we may have not heard of yet that much and we should potentially start paying attention. That's exactly right. So um, I'm going to give you just a little bit of an overview as to what we look at when we talk about cybersecurity, because just like Liel said, I think a lot of people misunderstand exactly what it is, or at least just maybe aren't comfortable thinking about necessarily the tech that's involved. And, and so maybe it's a little bit difficult to understand exactly what what we're talking about when we say cybersecurity. And I'm actually going to be referring to an article that uh, Liel happened to find that I think is very, very good. It talks about the top 10 cybersecurity trends in 2021 and beyond. And it's from a company called Stealth Labs. Um, we'll include it in the uh, podcast notes, of course, as usual. Um, but basically the idea is, guys, technology is constantly changing. We've known that for years and years and years, right? Now, the thing is, with the pandemic, everybody's had to move to remote work. Not everybody, but probably 90% of the people that worked in an office now work remotely. What does that mean for cybersecurity? That means people are now accessing network data outside of the office. And again, what does that mean? Well, a network is just a system of computers that you're, generally speaking, your IT department will set up so that it's a secure environment for everyone in the office to work from. Now, when you start accessing this network from outside of the office, outside of computers that are on this network, 
other th- other factors have to be considered. That's why you hear your IT person generally telling you some things like, hey, did you use the VPN or the virtual private network? Did you log in using your uh, multi-factor authentication, right? Did you have to log in using a, a Google Authenticator or your cell phone or a text or some other way of logging in to give you two ways to log in to make sure it's you? Liel, am I right? Is there some, some of the things that you might have heard of or heard yes, from? Yes, absolutely, Grace. I experience them every single day, Grace. I mean, honestly, if one thing is that, um, you know, this has been the year of kind of like revamping all of uh, your online accesses, Grace. It cannot be stressed enough, particularly in light of what we're coming out of this week, all of the cyber security attacks that we've heard have been going on in the US and such from foreign governments and such like that's some intense stuff, right? And so as we've mentioned before in the podcast, particularly on the episode that we had when uh, Nathan um, joined us for a cybersecurity conversation and it's like no one is really exempt from this. We could all be targeted. And now there is actually, you know, uh, platforms like uh, uh, Google Chrome or such will alert you if uh, it feels that a password of yours may have been compromised. Um, there's a really a lot of advanced and kind of like basic features that help you keep in track of your online passwords, right? And like, what you're saying there, the confirmation through email or through text message, two-step verifications, that's kind of like the norm now. And if you are not, if you haven't implemented those yet on your accounts, particularly the most important ones, right? That's um, um, a, a tremendous vulnerability that you're you're having. What do you think? I mean, exactly. Am I no, exaggerating? Yeah, no, 100%, Leah. That's exactly what I meant. And I'm glad that that it made sense when I explained it because cybersecurity isn't some pie in the sky idea. It's things that we deal with every single day on a regular basis. And I'm actually going to give an example at the outset rather than start right into the the uh, article and um, topics because we ran into an issue recently, as a matter of fact, this past week, which is why this topic is on my mind. There are form fills, right? And generally speaking, when somebody fills out a form on your website, you know, you get a lot of, you can get some spam uh, fill form fills where they're just saying, or they're trying to sell you something. Now those form fills, they can. Usually it's uh, SEO and backlinks for Correct. a ridiculous amount of money, $5, $29 full SEO. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. So now nine times out of 10, you'll know, or you, you'll delete it. Or it might even be filtered by your IT department um, one way or another or by the website filters or, or some other way. So it generally might not even get to you. But if there's a link in it and they're trying to sell you something, if you don't know where that link goes, don't click on it. Oh, yeah, Grace. I know it sounds super That's simple. Super one-on-one. I think you've said it here a million times already. Like, that's... Fishing super. It, it is fishing one on one. Don't click on links you don't know. But remember, people are expecting people to fill out forms on the website. They think they think that they are guarded against spam or executable files or anything. However, every single day, it's in the news. It's on TV. Every single day, they have some new way of getting to you. So even if you think that. 
that link looks maybe legitimate, but it's coming from a form fill or some place that you have maybe not a hundred percent control over. Don't click on it, you know, and, and again, I can't reiterate that enough. And that's the same with emails. As soon as an email comes in, you need to make sure you look at the header. What is the header? The from. So a lot of people fail to, to realize that you, email addresses can be spoofed on top of that. So if you get an attachment and it's from somebody that you know that's in your address book, but you were not expecting an attachment, don't open it. Mm. Again, another very simple thing, but this is something that happened this week. So that's why I'm starting off the conversation with those two specific issues. That's one of those things that we've talked about before and it cannot be a uh, reiterator enough. So Grace, let's look into this list now because there is 10 different things. I think some of them are more relatable than others uh, for those of us who are more kind of like high-level cybersecurity aware people. And of course, for someone like you who uh, deals uh, with a lot of these uh, more advanced stuff, maybe you can give us uh, a little bit of an understanding as to how this affects daily tasks and operations in a law firm. So um, one of the things they mentioned here are cloud threats, Grace. And so you care to explain a little bit what do they mean by cloud threats? Yes. So that actually starts with the whole collaboration and online and remote work that everyone's yeah. had to move to, right? So, you know, we're you all hear, in the cloud, Grace. We're all in the cloud. Exactly. That was my next phrase. You took it right out of my mouth perfectly. So, yes, this is it, right? We're all working in the cloud. What is the cloud? It's just web based information. It's for you to access whatever you need to access, whether it's your case management software, your Microsoft Teams, your email, whatever it is, it's all in the cloud, right? We're not necessarily accessing an internal network per se. So cloud can adoption. I, can I just yeah. explain a little bit for, I, I don't yeah. think there's a lot of our listeners that really think that the cloud, it means that like data is floating in the air. It's not that. <laughs> when when you talk about the cloud, we're basically talking about data that it's not stored in your actual hardware, on your network per se. This is data that it's stored in other places, but actual real places, maybe in the US, maybe somewhere in East Europe, maybe somewhere in Vietnam, right? It depends really who's your cloud-based provider, what companies you usually use, that will determine where the actual information is actually hosted, but is an actual place. And now when we talk about cloud, it just means that it's accessible from any place that you basically can access uh, the internet network connection. Is, is that good. a good enough explanation, Grace? Or Yes, yes yeah? it's a very good right. explanation. And that actually ties into why it's a potential threat. So because everybody kind of had to move very quickly to remote work and cloud-based access to their own network, they, this introduces a potential cybersecurity threat in the sense that when they configure this cloud storage, when they have to access it, when they have to back up that data, as Nate had told us on, on the last call, right? You need to, I mean, something simple as backups, all of this stuff is not necessarily looked at from the vulner vulnerability perspective, which 
It has to be because this is your law firm data getting put into a location in the cloud, right? Web-based, web accessible, but you need to make sure that all of the data is secure, whether yeah. that's in the way you configure it, the way you access it, the multi-factor authentication, all of that has to be considered. So when you do this or when you decided to make that decision, because we had to, right? We all had to go remote because of the pandemic. Just make sure that your cybersecurity threats, vulnerability of data, backups, and all of that are looked at if you haven't looked at it already. Yeah, absolutely, Grace. And it makes all the sense of the world, right? Like so many organizations just like went from zero to a hundred cloud-based. And of course, you know, probably a few opportunities and threats may have been overlooked. And so this is kind of like the time to reflect on is our network as secure as we think it should be and go back and revisit that. So that's actually uh, a very, very valid and legitimate point, particularly right now in this year. Well, a good example, and not to pick on them, um, is Dropbox, right? So a lot of a lot of firms use Dropbox to manage case files. Now you need to make sure that the version of Dropbox that you're using is a business version, and that there's security on the file folders that you're using as your file management system. Um, so that's just an example as to everyone went cloud-based Dropbox is super simple to use, but you need to make sure you're using the right version. Is it HIPAA compliant? Is it, you know, is it compliant with your, your client data? Um, so that's just an example again for cloud-based security. Just take a look at it make sure you review it. All right, Grace, let's move on to another point here in this list, right? Is, um, AI integration. I personally, Grace, I love this one because it makes all the sense of the world. We're using AI for so many things. We're using it to better serve our, our customers through either a faster and more efficient way of scanning and sorting out documents, through being able to better understand feedback we are receiving by actually analyzing, you know, sentiment analysis through AI. There are so many things that we're using AI in a way to uh, make our businesses smarter that it makes all the sense in the world that AI is also being used to make our business more secure. If artificial intelligence is so smart, that can take and automate so many of the processes of our business and make just operations seamless, would you expect that AI could also prevent and anticipate cybersecurity attacks to your organization and proactively protect you from them? And I think that's really uh, cutting edge. I think it's really remarkable use all of that artificial intelligence to solve digital problems. Yeah, I mean, I only have one comment really to make about AI. It does it for you. So it will combine massive amounts of data together in one location and it will extract that information that it needs from that directly. So yeah. you just, as long as you're able to make sure that you utilize what you have, you're gonna be able to use AI. AI is very, very um, useful for going through so much data and yeah. that's what your security data looks like you know there's yeah. a lot and, of and securely right and securely right because that's the other thing like uh it's not just about the convenience of being able to analyze ma massive amounts of data it's also not having to to have many people looking at it as well right which the more the more exposed the more accesses there are out there on your data the more vulnerable you are and um i think that's a very 
important factor about AI usage on organizations that doesn't uh, get talked about that much. So Grace, that's actually a good point. Now, there is a few others here in this list, which I find very interesting, but I cannot necessarily explain myself. So would, would you help us understand what does XDR stand for? And is it something that law firms need to be worried about? I'm not worried about necessarily. It's just, uh, you know, with data breaches nowadays, they need your security team. In other words, your IT department generally is the one operating as your security team. Um, they need a visibility into all the customer data. That includes emails, data endpoints, networks, servers, cloud workloads, cloud workloads, meaning the amount of work that's resources that are being pulled when you, when people from your firm go online and access these different cloud based systems and all the applications that you might be using. Now, why is that important? Well, if you don't have a view, sort of like we were talking about AI, if you don't have a view into all of the potential failures at all of across those different um, networks, servers, and technology that you have for your law firm, you won't know if there's a failure in one that potentially caused a failure in the other. So that's mm. what extended XDR is. It's just extended detection and response. So it basically is got like fingers out and tells you and has notifications as to, okay, your server went down and it's correlated to your network security because there was a hack. That's an example as to what extended detection and response can provide to you by having all of your data and information across your different channels of technology give you notifications in one place. Yeah. That, does that make sense? You know, it, it does, Grace. It's interesting. Now, um, the next point of this list is security process automation, which really, I mean, it ties down again to AI and really let machines do what they do best. And it's not just because of that, but also because cybersecurity is in such high demand, right? That finding the right talent and the right partner is going to be harder and harder since there's not enough, or it seems like there's more demand for uh, cybersecurity jobs than actual talent in the market. So um, definitely uh, the use of software and automation is going to be critical to be able to keep up and keep your organization safe without having to rely as much as probably would have in the past on an actual IT expert's input, right? You're probably gonna, still gonna need someone, but there's gonna be a reduced amount of tasks that they're gonna have to overlook and the rest will be pretty much automated through software. And that, you know, I think it pretty much goes for many other areas of the business where we're finding that you can reach uh, great levels of efficiency and streamline processes through automation. And IT is not an exemption to that. So I uh, see that as a great advancement and opportunity. Now, Grace, there's another point here that says the rise of enterprise level CSOs. Cybersecurity officers. Right. So kind of like back to what we were talking like about. Level, yeah. Right? 
Yeah. It's becoming such an important uh, element in businesses. And so obviously here we're talking about enterprise level, right? So uh, when you have a business that it's a national or a multinational level, well, you know, potentially your IT chief is now going to be one of the C-suite uh, positions because it's just so central and critical to the well-being of an organization that you cannot not have this person pretty much involved in the center of operations. And I, I don't know where did I heard this, but I heard it not too long ago that an IT, actually it was in another podcast, but um, it was actually very well said. And it's like, nobody cares about uh, who the IT director of an organization is until there is a bridge at which point everybody goes nuts and bananas to find this person and to understand what exactly happened, how did it happen, and so forth and so on, right? So it's one of those kind of positions that organizations don't want uh, necessarily to put a lot of focus and attention to it because in an ideal world, these people should uh, not be necessarily famous, right? As the CEOs and CMOs and uh, CFOs and uh, COOs, right? These are more kind of like people that they don't like, if they come to light, if people ended up knowing who they are, probably it's for the wrong reasons. And so <laughs> that's kind of like an interesting take as to how cybersecurity should feel in an organization. But this regarding of how do you feel about it, right? At the end of the day, you know, anyone who's good at their job should have the recognition that they deserve. The bottom line is, is that you don't want to be known because of your fragile cybersecurity uh, infrastructure. It's funny how you, <clears throat> how you phrase that because I actually ran into one of these different, you know, back when we used to go to events <laughs> about a year ago, yeah. I ran into a law firm that was a massive firm. Um, they had multiple locations all across the U.S., not international or not, you know, but they were national. Um, and they hired an, a CSO, a cyber, you know, a chief security officer after they ran into a massive situation with a data breach. They were able to come out of it. They were able to fix whatever the problem was. And, you know, in the end, they they were it was it was an, an issue at the end. But what they had to go through to get to that point was pretty insane. And like you said, they never thought about IT security at that level until they came across this data breach issue. Yeah. And then right after that, within the same month of the problem, they hired a CSL. Yeah. To help That's find it diagnose it and stop it from ever happening again. Yeah, those are lessons that are, you know, for some organizations, they're learned the hard way. And um, I think the more the more we see and hear about these threats, the more proactive the approach is being from organizations to take the right steps to be, to be better protected. Mm -hmm. So Grace, there's a few other points, right? There's one, number six, that says data privacy is a discipline, Grace. What do you think the author here is trying to say about it? So for us as law firms in particular, I think this is, I mean, for everybody, it's important, right? Right. There's the, the, the GDP, um, what is it? The, the one for the European union one. GDPR. Thank you. GDPR, um, where it's, it's requirement. If you work anywhere in, or you have any type of website in the, um, e, anywhere in Europe, anywhere outside of us, basically, you must protect the data of the individual. And there are certain requirements and compliance rules. And yep. that's the same for us in law, right? We have tons of compliance, tons of data. So people need to make sure that data 
and the privacy of that data is done as protocol, procedure, and just the par for the course, meaning no matter what, you're always protecting data. And that's where your brain is at when it comes to the clients, your data, even it's not just the client data, it's everybody's yeah. data in the firm. And that's yeah, passwords, right? That's uh, address information, phone numbers. I mean, all this information that you have at your fingertips for other people, including yourself, you make sure that you're constantly protecting it by using multi-factor authentication, that there's a corporate strategy that's involved with aligning it with your security, human resources, uh, procurement, governance, every department in your company, in your law firm needs to be part of that procedure. Yeah, great. That's absolutely a thing. And I think it's up to a certain extent going to be a matter of time, right? I think at some point, business here in the United States will also have to be more open and transparent about their data collection practices, particularly on their websites. And so it, it's something that kind of aligns with that point. Now, Grace, what about secure access services, right? This is another S-A-S-E. So what is this? I'm actually going to combine seven and eight, where they talk about secure access service edge and zero trust network access. Why am I going to combine the two? Because they have the same idea in terms of accessing your network, your law firm's network securely. The first one, when we're talking about SASE, what they mean by that is everything is moved to a remote working culture, right? So when you're accessing your applications that you need, your CRMs, your case management software, certain things that are on your network that you have to go through your network to access, they go through a basically uh, a second layer, almost like an online firewall on top of the firewall that you already have. I'll give you an example. Um, there's a, I believe it's a cloud protection, Cloudflare. There we go. That's the word for it. Cloudflare. Cloudflare is a basically special layer between your website. Well, really outside world, your network, and then getting into your network. So it's a layer in between that is stopping anybody from getting in through different methods, you know, whether it's brute force attacks, people just trying to get in using all kinds of password things. That's what that is. Secure access service edge. So the edge of accessing your network, it needs to be secure with another layer of security. And that's almost the same thing about zero trust network access, ZTNA. The, num the names don't really matter. What it's trying to tell you is that put everything you can in place to secure your network and your data and even the access to that network. And that's what the zero trust network access is. That's what virtual private networks are set up. When you hear somebody talk about VPNs, they are basically facilitating your access to your network through a private and virtual tunnel online. So unfortunately with VPNs, what they're trying to tell you is VPNs aren't that secure. So if you do something where it's zero trust, only this person is allowed to go from whether it's a specific IP address, a specific uh, login with multi-factor authentication, whatever it is, accessing your network is a more secure option using zero trust network access rather than the typical and old school VPN. So basically, whenever we are looking at new business applications or the existing business applications, and we see that the platform is accessed through ZTNA, 
it's a great thing, right? Correct. Like it's okay. giving us an extra layer of security and we should be pleased that this application has it and it's safe to be used by the team. So that's a good thing to know. Now, Grace, you know, point number nine, it's kind of like, I don't know, I think we've talked about it already for the past 10 months, Yeah. but it comes up on the list as its own thing. And why do you think the order brings remote work as a trend for 2021? What is the, what is the point? So basically because of the pandemic, I think entire companies, not I think, I know entire companies have moved to either completely remote or they're going to be completely remote by 2021. So they very specifically are stating that as its own section because right on here actually, and most of us know Gartner um, for research and they're actually quoting a Gartner research uh, quote and says, according to Gartner, 88% of global business organizations mandated, required, or encouraged all their employees to work from home due to the pandemic. So do you, you know, as, as people in general, don't we know that most of the time when something changes, it's not probably going to change back anytime soon. Yeah. So that's why they're calling out remote work specifically. You just need to make sure that you're impl implementing the right tools, just exactly like we talked about. You're using ZTNA if you you know if you can make sure you use SASE the you know service edge access zero uh, network trust access for and all the tools that you're supposed to have in place. But when they go remote, so that's that's why they're calling it out specifically as, as being a trend for 2021 because the pandemic is not necessarily completely gone. Obviously, there's the vaccines are just starting to come out, and we're just sort of getting used to our new normal, but that doesn't mean everyone's going to go back to work. Right? I agree. That's true. And I think hand in hand comes point number 10, right? Which is insider threats. It basically says just that, that huge unprecedented push to remote work basically made a lot of businesses vulnerable because they were not prepared to have their teams work remote. And by all from the southern, placing them on their own devices, their own internet connections, working, they made themselves vulnerable to what could be cyber attacks. And this, as you said, is not going to be an issue that's going to disappear in 2021. Mm -hmm. And unless businesses as a whole start taking steps and measures and building up the right infrastructure for remote working, they're going to be having threats that are coming from the inside without necessarily knowing, without intentionally laying out the ground for them to emerge as problematic, but it's just putting them in a very, very exposed position where for cyber attacks, right? That's yeah. Basically, home Wi-Fi aren't that secure, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then people accessing, please don't do this, by the way, but there are people that access their work network from Starbucks Wi-Fi. Um, I've seen it. I've dealt with it a couple times. Not us personally, meaning our firm or anybody that I work with, but I've seen it plenty of times when dealing with Persist Software and don't do that. It's an unsecure open network. Yeah, I think, Grace, it hasn't yet landed very much in a lot of people, like what's the uh, risks of using unsecure connections, public connections, and, and understanding the implications of doing I'm so. I'm going to give a really important free tidbit that I tried to make sure people hear, and I hope that people hear this one. 
Can can that be our first takeaway, Grace? Yes. Yes, it can. Excellent. And it will be our first takeaway. So let's jump right into takeaway number one. Do not, do not, and I cannot emphasize this enough, let anybody run your credit card on Wi-Fi. If they have one of those little swipe things and square on their cell phone. Yeah. You know how we mm -hmm. go to these little markets and these places yeah, and yeah, yeah. people just run your credit card right on the, the phone? Yeah. Make sure that you tell them they must take it off of Wi-Fi and have it on cellular data. That is my takeaway number one. Do not allow anybody to run any of your sensitive information through anything that is not secure. Wi-Fi is not that secure when it comes to data of that sort. Now you know. Yep. Next time, whenever that is, that you can go back to the farmer's market and buy those uh, heirloom tomatoes that you love so much and the vendor is uh, giving you his little cell phone for you to swipe his card there, you have to tell them, take this thing out of Wi-Fi right now or I won't take these heirloom tomatoes. That's right. And then <laughs> just brace as everybody around you is watching you making a scene. <laughs> I've done it, unfortunately, but I've done it. And prepare to leave the stand without your tomatoes. Yes. But <laughs> but um, other than that, Grace, that's a great takeaway. What's going to be takeaway number two? Uh, this is for the partners of their firms and everybody that actually manages the C-level executives. My takeaway for you is take a look at your security stack. Look at your information and all of where your data lives and just do an assessment. You know, you can call Nate, right? Nate N8 mm -hmm. Solutions, and he'll do a security threat, security review, and take a look at all of your systems and and let you know for free. So there's no reason not to do it. Take a look at your security stack, your technology stack, make sure everything is in line and that people are accessing your databases, your network from the most secure possible way. Yeah, Grace, I think that's a great first step for a more thorough cybersecurity infrastructure for the firm. Now I'm going to give my takeaway, which is going to be the last one, just a little bit more basic, but very manageable, very attainable. And I think it can be both applicable for your business and both personal life, Grace. And it's just set up a rule to yourself that you're going to be updating and changing every single password that you use to access, whether that's email, online banking, of course, CRM, CMS, your domain, right? Your CMS as in your website, your hosting. It's so important, Grace. Um, also enable two-step verification on all the accounts that uh, offer it. I know it can be a little bit of a pain, but particularly now with tools that come directly embedded into platforms like Chrome or, or iOS, where you can set up secure passwords with the assistance of your devices, you're just taking the right steps to make yourself less vulnerable. And I also think that while you do that, at least the first time, just create yourself a spreadsheet as to what are those, don't go and put in, plug into the spreadsheet the passwords, don't do that but do uh, create a list of which are these platforms that you need to go and update the passwords with every quarter. So it's it's an easier task to do. You just pull up that list and know and go one, one by one. And you know, it doesn't have to take that much time, right? Even, even if it's 15 different sites, it still doesn't have to take that much time, Grace. So those are our takeaways. Cybersecurity for 2021, 
I think race, this is always kind of like one of those conversations that leaves you a little bit worried and thinking and, you know, like it's the reality, right? And so we cannot... Can't hide from it. It's yeah, just a reminder. cannot not address this. And it's better to be proactive than reactive. So thank you again for explaining us all of these terms and all of these concepts about cybersecurity. And we'll be back here next week. That's right, Grace. That's right. Are Thanks, we? Leo. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. You too. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your coworkers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at We'll see you next week.